Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. Pastor Sarah Olson-Smith, it's a joy to be with you today. In this time of the year in the Christian church, we are following the story of Jesus and his last weeks, those days before his glorious entry into the city of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, his death on Good Friday, and his resurrection on Easter Sunday. Just days before he rode the donkey into Jerusalem and people sang Hosanna with their palm branches waving, Jesus gathered with his dear friends at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It was a special meal, in part because Lazarus shouldn't have been there. He had died after all. 
But Jesus called him out of the tomb and he lived again. His presence at that table was a show of Jesus' miraculous power and his great love for his friends. In our reading from the Gospel of John, we'll hear the extravagant way in which Mary said thank you to Jesus, honored him, and loved him. And we'll talk about how her act of such love can teach us about how to live with generous attention and care to the people right in front of us too. So hear now these words from John chapter 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with Jesus. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for three hundred denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Years ago, I listened to this radio documentary called The Ground We Live On. In it, the journalist named Adrian Nicole LeBlanc took 50 hours of recordings from the last month's of her time with her father, her namesake, Adrian Leon LeBlanc. She took those 50 hours of recordings from those last months with him, whittled it down to 13 minutes of an audio documentary. Adrian Leon was 85 in the last stages of lung cancer, receiving hospice care in his home in Massachusetts, where Adrian and her mother and siblings cared for him. Adrian Leon, the father, was a retired union leader, World War II veteran, husband, father. And as you hear those recordings, what's wonderful is that they're wonderfully mundane, these simple daily moments of them together. They talked about how his favorite spot in their house was the armchair by the big picture window where he could watch the blue, blue jays and the maple tree out the window. But soon that armchair was replaced with a hospital bed. Adrian Nicole's mother brings her father coffee and tucks the blanket around his once strong and now skinny legs, putting all their energy into his creature comforts. And in the recording, Adrian Nicole, the daughter, says, my, dadder, my dad is the center of our attention. His favorite thing was to have his hair washed, and so in the recording, you can hear them pour water into buckets as they wash his hair from that hospital bed. Their conversations start out big, his raspy voice talking about his work, protecting and caring for workers, making their lives better, about his time hopping on trains early in his life and his years in the service. 
But then those conversations get narrower and narrower and narrower and deeper about the love between them and the strength he's passed on to her. And soon it's just whispers of love, hands held, last goodbyes. That 13-minute audio documentary with snippets of those precious last days have stuck with me. They've stuck with me and they're so powerful because they are both so unique and also so universal. In so many ways, they're particular to this family in Massachusetts, but they echo my own experience of last days and so many of others that I have been blessed to be a part of. In some ways, they name how when ones we love are dying, our whole world shrinks to just focus on them, that they are the center of our attention. The here and the now is what matters because the time we once thought of as endless now has a finish line, a finite end. And when Adrian washes her father's hair with such tenderness and care and you could hear the water pouring, it reminded me so much of the story we just heard of Mary, anointing Jesus' feet, preparing him for his death, this act of such extravagant love. She names this truth that Jesus was going to die, even as others of those followers refused to believe it, denied it. In that story, Mary and her sister Martha are having a dinner for Jesus, likely something they did all the time. We hear little bits of their gatherings together. Their brother Lazarus was there too, a miracle walking. Lazarus who died and who Jesus raised, all at that table. Mary was not just this faithful follower of Jesus, but she received this incredible gift of her brother back again. Mary knew the deep sorrow and the pain of death, but she also knew Jesus' power to contend with it. It was, after all, that miraculous rising of Jesus that was the last straw for religious and political leaders in Jerusalem who saw Jesus as such a threat to their own power. The cross was now set before Jesus, and most of his friends wouldn't believe it. They didn't want him to die. They had hoped that he would rescue himself and all of them. But Mary knew Jesus' path, trusted him, heard his words, and she knew she had just a little bit of time left, and so she used it to pour out her gratitude and her love to Jesus with such tender care, anointing his feet, wiping them with her hair. Jesus was the center of her attention. And this happens in living rooms and hospice rooms all over the place across time, a sort of re-centering and a reordering so that the here and the now, this person we love, takes precedence over everything else. And the beautiful thing is this reorganizing of time and space that happens in our lives continues even after our loved one dies. When we come face to face with death, we come to know that we do not have forever. And so these moments we have continue to remind, they are still so very utterly precious. 
I see this happen in so many lives. I've watched how your lives are reordered after death and sorrow has come. And for many of us in our society, these last months have reminded us about this. They've taught us similar lessons. In these pandemic times, when we're faced with our mortality in new kinds of ways, we've reorganized our lives, prioritizing time with family, making efforts to stay connected with dear friends, shifting our schedules and working less, making time for meals or games of uno, trips to the park. We can no longer avoid this reality that our days are precious and we are treating them as such. So many times we try to avoid this deep truth of our humanity that we don't live forever. (laughs) Even as we trust the power of the resurrection, our time in these bodies on this planet is limited. But facing this truth doesn't mean we walk around with black veils or downtrodden, but instead I deeply believe it can free us to live with even more joy, more generosity, more wonder, more love, because we know how precious this life is and these days are. I remember one Sunday morning a while ago when a woman came to church in a really fancy dress. She's kind of overdressed for the morning, but it was so beautiful, but it wasn't her usual Sunday attire. And so I complimented her her on her dress and her heels, and she said, I love this dress, and I have just been waiting for an occasion that I can wear it, but I haven't had one. And so I thought, I love this dress. It's just in my closet. I'm going to wear it to church. (laughs) Why wait? I also heard of a family recently who started using her, they started using their grandmother's fanciest china for just their everyday meals. It's beautiful and durable, they said, full of memories. Why are we keeping it on the shelf? How many of us keep our words of gratitude and love packed away in our minds, thinking we have time to share them later? Why do we put off those hard and honest conversations that might actually bring about healing and reconciliation? What jars full of love do we save for the right moment or because they just feel too tender or vulnerable to share? What are we holding back? Just this last week after I visited one of our dear St. Paul people, I said goodbye to her, told her how much she mattered, but I was convinced I would just have one more visit, a visit I never got to have. Mary teaches us how to live, how to live with generous attention to the ones that we are with right now. But Mary isn't seen at first as an example of faith. Instead, Judas shames her, tries to shame her, saying it was a waste that she should have used that money for the poor. But then Jesus rebukes Judas and says, you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. 
This is often used as a sort of easy pass for us to just say poverty's inevitable, we don't need to worry about it. But I think Jesus is doing something kind of the opposite. Jesus is reminding those disciples that the kind of honor and care that they show Jesus is the same honor and care that ought to be shared with the poor, the ones who are with us always. Mary, after all, was anointing the feet of this one Jesus who said, whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me. For a while, Jesus walked around on this planet, ate meals with his friends, the poor carpenter's son who hung out with fishermen and never had a home of his own. And after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, Jesus shows up in people who are hungry, who don't have enough for rent, who are lonely and who are dying and who are afraid. We do not always have Jesus, but we can find him in the people who are with us, right in front of us. My friend Beth lives this in such faithful and small and beautiful ways. She always carries a little bit of cash and has a granola bars and socks, underwear, gloves in her car. When she sees someone with a sign on the side of the road or comes across someone as she walks and needs something, she will give them something, even if it's little. I asked her once about this, and she talked about how she used to study you know, all these systems of poverty and the, all the things that came about, and she said it just became ideas and not people. She talks about how she knows that a few dollars aren't going to change anything. They're not the answer to the problems, and she's grateful for people who work for long-term change. She laughs how she will never change the world, just one moment, in one person's day. But Beth named that her call is to love the people who God puts in front of her, the one in front of her in each moment, however she could, in big ways or small ways. The poet Langston Hughes wrote these words. The poem is about tambourines and praising God, and he writes, a gospel shout, a gospel song, Life is short, but God is long. The crazy irony we learn from Mary and we know in Jesus is that when we realize how short this life is, we somehow discover how long and deep and wide and high is the love of God and that we ourselves have more love to share than we thought we had. We have the Savior who poured out his life for us and for all this world. And because of this, we don't have to be afraid of death, of suffering. And with this courage, with this freedom, we can really live with generosity, ready to love the people who are right there with us, the ones we've been given to love the ones who break our hearts open. A gospel shout, a gospel song. Life is short, but God 
is long. Amen. My we turn to God in prayer, saying these words Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And here's a blessing for you today from our siblings in the Episcopal Church. Life is short. We have little time to gladden the hearts of those with whom we travel. So be quick to love and make haste to be kind. And may God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you and sustain you today and forever. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.